0: Welcome to the podcast of the Urban Mystic. Mystical experience is incredibly accessible and quite a common thing. So, last week we we, we noted, or in the abstract, how prevalent it is, how widespread the phenomenon of people experiencing spiritual beings speaking to them is. In this two part episode, Steve and I tell stories of our own experience and just unpack that in conversation with each other. And it it really just demonstrates how, how common this experience is, how diverse it is, and how well it can integrate into our lives. L- last time, we laid out the beginnings of a framework, uh, just in terms of understanding spiritual beings and things like spiritual beings like angels, ancestors, God, etc., speaking to people, and, it, and of it being quite a common Um, it's a commonly reported phenomenon that that we find across cultures throughout time, and we find it through various different uh, levels of sophistication in society as well. So it's not just you know, dumb, primitive people in the bush that believe that God speaks to them, right? <laughs> They're not just seeing airplanes go over and going, oh, my goodness, I've seen a sign or et cetera, et cetera. You know, through, throughout throughout history, we, we actually find people deeply grappling with this and we find it reported quite often. And it's something that's actually pr- quite prevalent in our society today. And yet the defaults, our default is often to shy away from experience and to shy away from talking about experience and to shy away from including experience or building our spirituality or our faith around experience. I think in general, we've got this dysfunctional understanding of faith as being separate from our experience, and there's this notion of a of a pure faith, which I think is just a it 's a legacy of the notion of pure reason you know or the legacy of the notion of, of metaphysics you know that the that, that truth is out there it 's not your experience of it that that counts it 's just it 's there and it's it 's forever true, and we must just accept it uh, whereas I think in our culture and our context relational relationships and relational spirituality and the meaning of relationships and experience is coming to the fore. And so and so it's often easy to talk through a subject like this in the in the abstract and to miss the fact that what we what we're trying to do is trying to understand very real experiences that people have with God. We're trying to come away for people to shift from institutional expressions of religion to the pursuit of relational engagement with God, you know, and relational engagement with the transcendent. So it's not just limited to, to, to God or to personal spiritual beings, but in this context, we're actually just focusing on that one aspect. Challenge for us tonight uh, is, is, to, is to shift from that abstract and to shift a bit from our heads, to talk in the first person and to talk in the, in the personal, you know, to, to actually share some of our experiences. When it comes to personal experience, I, I, I find it a tough subject to talk about because there's, there's often, like, the reflex to interpret someone else's experience and to judge it, and to try and box it, and so 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 that makes it that makes it quite tricky. But personally, I I you know as much as I I, I often focus on moving away from the institution and the institution being central to people's practice. The first experience I I I, I want to. Um, just talk through and and, and share about actually took place in the context of a um, of a school hall which was where a church met many years ago the guy that was was running the church was big on the subject of the father heart of god that the way that god sees us is the way that you know father sees his children and the love that god has for us is is like the love that a father has for for his children and and so i i come from a slightly abused and neglected background <laughs> in terms of, in terms of family and, uh, and, and parents and stuff. So, so it's not a theme or a subject that translated to me. And, and um, the guy around the church, Richard and I had, many a conversation around this and you know he was running this workshop on the Father Heart of god and being the good old youth pastor and being around you know i i was there to help make stuff happen um just in terms of you know the, the organization of the seminar that took place every weekend and so i i wasn't really there to get something out of the event myself per se so much as in a professional capacity as someone who worked in that context helping make an event like that happen and then just being present to it you know something happened to me on the uh, during one of the sessions where Richard was big on cultivating worship as a as an expression of intimacy to God or an expression of what you actually felt so so that worship And the musical component wasn't about us trying to butter God's ego up and tell God, you know, what a great job he was doing, (laughs) you know, and and bolster your faith and make these big declarations. But it was more about intimacy. It was more about the the expression, the practice of being present to God, to love God, and being present to God as God loved you. And so I was standing at the back of the church. I, I raised my hands to worship and I looked up. And I literally got stuck. (laughs) it was like it was like i I was standing there i I raised my arms in worship and i i got held it was like it was like a full body hug that just wraps around me like a blanket and I, i was stuck and i i had this 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 awful wonderful experience of being hugged at a point in my life where I was a no-touch person. I didn't let anyone touch me. <laughs> at that stage of my life, I didn't even shake hands. I was so averse to, to, to touching people. And, and, and I, didn't, I didn't really hug people. You know, I, I, I hugged a few people, but in general, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hug people. And so this experience of just being held and being hugged was something that I, inside I wanted to squirm and run away, but I was physically stuck. I I literally couldn't move and it was just completely disarming Um, it was completely disarming like emotionally and physically because there was this, this, this tortured moment of I want to run from this but I really need this and I just want to fall into it. And, and even as I recollect that now it's a, it's an emotional experience for me, (laughs) but, but I remember just, just being there and and being stuck in the position of looking up, almost like being hugged while looking into God's face while God was looking at me. And this, um, this, this, this guy who now lives in Australia was one of the people that was, was around at the time. And, um, and 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 basically stood up in front and and said he feels that there's someone here and he wants and that God is wanting to say some stuff for the to them and he and he went about saying some stuff in front of this this crowd that I was I was lost in I mean I don't even think he could have picked me out at the back of the of that school hall <laughs> you know I don't think he had me in mind at all he just he just had the sense of of God speaking and i'm I'm sharing what God wants to say to someone and, and I had this weird experience of of hearing his voice as the echo of of what God was saying to me while he was saying that stuff and and literally just being st- standing there completely stuck while the tears just rolled down my face <laughs> and dripped off me um and it was it was it was just this um Describable, indescribable encounter that that has carried a tremendous weight throughout my life ever since that feeling of, of of actually what it's like for someone to to literally just hold you and love you, and and for that to be something that that struck me so deeply, and and actually just brought a lot of healing and change to me, and changed my perspective on myself, on other people and on on how I saw God, just from that one interaction. That for me was a was a very clear mystical experience. And and yet it's it's something that has had an unfolding impact in my life, you know, for the last 25, 26 years.
1: And if I can ask a couple of questions. Yeah, sure. Were were you aware in the moment of a distinction for yourself between Kind of the the institutional happening of kind of the gathering of people and your specific gathering at that point God sort of breaking into your life and was that important you know as we've been talking about kind of institution in some ways institution versus practical mystical experience was there an intermingling is it something that you have thought further on over the years Subsequent to the experience, oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's 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 one of the things that I that I've I've got checked as a milestone experience in my life and my spirituality. That 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 for me, it's one that I can I can come back regularly to, and I can go. There's a specific spot on this earth that God came and met me. It's one of those benchmark experiences for me that defines what it's like when God is present in person. When I look for God to be present. That gives that gives me an idea of actually what I'm looking for, in the context of 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 what it was. I think I think for that period um, that I was at Metro Vineyard, it 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 really gave me a window on how the two can marry together, and of how you can how you can marry together. The, the organized aspect of gathering a community and seeking God together, together with the, the, the experiential or the mystical, the, the face-to-faceness of it, and of how things like like what you do, how you facilitate a group to engage God, um, how you as an individual pursue God in order to to know what God wants to do with groups like that and how do you step out of the way for God to do that? You know, that kind of stuff was very much a part of how, how the gathering to, to, to worship with the expectation that God's going to draw near in person and you're going to meet with God, you know, how seamlessly those that can marry together. So, so I am, I am aware of that. And I often reflect back to that time of, of how there was a healthy marrying of that together and how in general, that's not the case. And, And so, so that, that for me is part of why I speak about the exception not defining the norm. You know, people talk about Christianity as though that is a this is permanent and it's available everywhere, but it isn't. It often takes place as the exception within a broader religious tradition. Um, I think I think also in that context, I I've always been high, hyper aware of of any group that I'm in. And that's often the case for people that come from, from, from difficult backgrounds. You never let your guard down. and You never let your guard down in a group, right? <laughs> the, the group is the unsafe place. So you're always standing watching them. You know. And, and, and so that was very much a part of it for me. And yet in that moment, I was deeply aware that God seemed to not care <laughs> about, about the fact that God loved me to affirm me in a public environment like that anonymously and yet directly it wasn't like there was a person there going you're now going to experience the following although the classic thing you know the person comes up put their hands on you and they say the magic words and they push you over and you're supposed to experience God. it wasn't like that it was it was just me in the context of a group of people worshiping raising my hands and and of the person that that led that community led that church um cultivating the kind of environment where people Someone could stand up and go, "This is what God is saying and and that kind of stuff is is quite rare you don't you don't often find that out there whereas in this in that environment the person who, who led that as a church took a tremendous risk to to basically go, "I, I trust God and I want to trust the community I, I want to build a community of people that trust God, and I can trust them and I can trust God to trust them et cetera et cetera right. I, I'm talking about the the, the, the tangible face-to-face meeting of, of hearing God's voice and 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 even if people are saying yes what I think god, god is saying and I'm sharing it with you that's going to be the echo rather than the primary message you know, or, the, or the primary thing you know and, and so for me it was it, it, it was layered and, and multifaceted and and yes I was deeply aware of being in public and oh shit you know here I am trapped and god I'm Crying and I'm being emotional and and being emotional means that I'm weak and I can't be seen as weak in front of people and you know all of that kind of usual unsafe stuff that 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 I think men are are programmed with anyway um and, and yet and yet just the total deconstruction of that of God's warmth of God's affection of God's tangibly felt love it was like like being hugged by someone who loves me deeply. And wants me to know that I'm, I'm loved and isn't going to let me go because they, they want me to receive
1: that. Yeah, that's very, very clear in the way in which you describe it. That's awesome. I, I think the reason I ask the, that question is, um, and this, this may sound like an overly harsh critique of institutional religion. Um, let's see that I I imagine often the voice that speaks on behalf of institutional religion. And so here we're talking specifically a Christian church context. So I'll speak in terms of the Christian church. Will lay claim to experiences like that almost uh, as, as if they are the provider of those. So there's a number of things that come into that context, uh, into the story. There's the context of it. So it happens in a church. So it's easy to say, well, you see, yes because we lay claim to to God speaking and acting. And that almost that those are the experiences that you can have if you are a good member of this institution. Um, And it is so then incredibly complex and nuanced Um, because we are trying to, as we talk between the two of us, distinguish between a God who is going to speak and act almost regardless of what that institution is doing, and that sometimes those two do seem to coincide. But that what we're actually saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is we are putting, as you said, it's, it's I like that picture of the pulpit or the worship team, or, as I say, the person behind the holy microphone, because that's often how it plays out in the church context that I you know, God will only speak through this holy microphone and only certain people are allowed to speak through that holy microphone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's jealously guarded. As Blackadder says, everybody can vote except the deaf and the lame and the crazy and the slaves and the women. And, you know, it's, it's kind of that similar thinking. But what we are putting forward is actually that it is that that institution is lining up as the echo rather than as the source of this, and sometimes it just coincides, uh, which is interesting. I hadn't prepared to 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 share this story, but it just strikes me um, that I that I should just respond, if I may, if you. Uh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. With something similar, because it strikes me, it's got many of the same components. In that it happens, it happened within the church context, and at that point in time, I would have been hard pressed as a a new-ish believer to separate God and the context of the institutional church. And it's only later that I come to understand that um, God would have been acting potentially. Let me be careful how I speak. Um, despite or within that context, rather than God is mandated <laughs> or controlled. And, you know, we go to different levels of that. I, I went up for prayer at the end of a service once. I was uh, part of this little evening service community at an Anglican church after I, uh, I had some of my first encounters with, uh, with the person of Jesus. Uh, and one of the, the frameworks that I grew up with was, well, when you do that, you have to go to a church. So I joined this church, and there were some really wonderful moments um, as part of that. But this was a very strange one for me. I went up for prayer. And after about 15 minutes of insisting with the person who was praying for me that they must keep going because nothing's happening, I think they eventually gave up <laughs> and sort of sent me away a little dejected. And, and I had been so serious that, you know, this is this space and they say you can come up for prayer. And I'd seen some other things happening to people. Um, and as I think back now, i would kind of been viewing it as a bar. You know, well, you've got this stuff on tap. So I've ordered a pint. So why are you not pouring me one? And I went back and sat down in my chair and I sort of, I just, uh, I wasn't willing to get up and leave. I was still quite obstinately certain that, you know, I'm, I've come to meet this thing um, you know, and I want, I want to experience something. And this voice spoke to me and said, you won't experiencing, you will not experience anything up there because you are too proud to let your guard down. And I've never forgotten that voice. And I've never forgotten what happened afterwards was I laughed. I giggled for uh, three, four hours that evening uncontrollably. And to start with, it was quite a lot of fun. But towards the end, I remember actually an element of fear of kind of, you know, I'm, I'm really not in control here. And it happened, I think in part, because my response to that voice was okay. All right, so if I need to let go of my desire to hold on to myself, you know, and, and almost resist you while at the same time I'm verbally assenting to your invasion, then, then okay, I'm willing to risk that. And it was interesting, as I say at the time, I would have tied that to, you know, well, that was the church you go to to get prayed for. And there was some magic in the person who was praying for me that it somehow helped me to make this breakthrough. But as I think back on it now, it was an invasive breakthrough on some uh, on some level even though i do believe that i agreed to it as well
0: but it was just interesting
1: that it happened within that context and i couldn't distinguish at the time which is i think partly why i asked you the question but it was incredibly powerful and very real
0: what's interesting there is 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 are you are you aware of the deconstruction now, in retrospect, I mean, I, I assume you are aware of the deconstruction now of the, of of almost going going up and that, that association to the person up front praying being broken, and, and God speaking to you immediately. That it's 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 interactive. It, it's almost like a negotiated encounter in some ways, while calling you out. I mean, it's quite rude. You know, it, it strikes me in some ways. Um, I, I remember when I was as I was learning uh, counselling. And and you get to observe someone counselling someone. And, and occasionally, the person will call someone or they'll make a statement where they go, you are feeling the following or is it this? And it's got the same kind of powerful connection with people. Um, except, yeah, in some ways, the, the lead up was going up for what was on tap and not getting that and on sitting down. You know, the same kind of call. You know, it, it just reminds me of that counselling dimension.
1: No, very much so. That resonates very deeply with me that idea of there's, there's almost something hidden here. And the question is meant to help you uncover it. And go, Okay, yes. Um, although I am moving forward to access this at the same time, I'm actually resisting it for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, this it's, it's almost sort of a, a gentle call. In a way, it's not, you know, hey, you're full of rubbish. Pull yourself together. I thought you came for healing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of a question. But it is. It's, it's that reflection of, you know, well, you're saying this, but I also see this. Um, are you aware of that? And I like how you frame that question in terms of, was I aware of the deconstruction of the person? Uh, and I am very much now. And I wasn't at all then. And then that's, it's just interesting in terms of how the system acts. And that for me within that system, that God seems to act differently because there was nothing, no spiritual heebie-jeebies. Nobody turned the aircon on at the right moment while I was up at the front. There was just, there was just nothing. There was no emotional manipulation that I can remember, at least so on in the positive column on the, on their part. But within me as well, absolutely nothing. And it's as if I was willing it and willing it and willing it. Absolutely nothing and then that moment alone sitting alone in this chair okay so why why won't you why won't you ah okay i'm willing to answer that question this is why i won't oh wow you're there you're real and i can respond and you will respond again
0: it's also interesting and i like i, I hate to go back to the to the counseling dynamics it's just terrain that i think you and i are familiar with but but in in some senses to meet you up front there is to meet you at your point of resistance. To meet you up at the, this isn't working, is the opportunity to go, well, I'm I'm, I'm here now. A- a- and it's interesting that that being up there, I would almost think is the place where you'd have your guard up, but you'd let it down when you got into your seat. So in some ways, going up to meet with God and God goes, okay, cool, I'm going to come sit here and wait for you to come back. In some ways, is, is how I picture the dynamic playing out knowing. I, I, I mean, I think of God as being quite, Quite, quite sly and quite uh, um, <laughs> devious in the way that God works with us in this way, in the way that God can disarm us and get us get under our skin and under our defences to meet us genuinely, and yet still respectfully. You know, it's it's it, it's like I don't I, I don't hear any sense in your tone of that being a derogatory experience or a or or a, or a negative accusation, but an acknowledgement in some ways. Uh, I don't know if that's our if that's how you. You know, in retrospect, and unpack and it all.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And even in the moment, I didn't feel as though it was a slap in the face. There was a warmth to that question, of you know, well, I, I can see what's going on, and I'll tell you. And there was a loving, there was a loving embrace almost behind it. Of you know, I'm not unwilling, that I see this in you.
0: I, I dare say, the father heart of God touched. No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, you see, I think that's partly also where I was going with my question earlier. And I think it's the, it's the I don't want to say the danger of mystical experience, but when it, when it becomes captured almost by the institution and caged, uh, domesticated is a word that you've used earlier in the season. And I think for me, there was nothing domesticated by that experience. But when you want to domesticate God, and so potential listeners who might still be looking, and that's why I'm saying perhaps this is a harsh critique, but are looking from within the institution rather than looking through the lens of genuine mystical experience may go, but that's exactly what we do at our church. It's what we've done for hundreds of years as Christians, et cetera, et cetera. And perhaps therein is the issue. It's what we have done. And, and, and we are, we're asking the question of a God who draws near the one who comes in, um, rather than the institution that has the, um, the monopoly on uh, providing experiences like this. Because those are, I find, quite empty. The ones that I've deconstructed and thought about over the years uh, and have rejected as non-genuine encounter with God and have discovered it was the strumming of the guitar or the lights being turned down low, <laughs> etc., there's an emptiness there. It's it's a cheap calorie. It's a McDonald's meal in some ways compared to a wholesome, uh, healthy, well cooked meal. Yeah, uh,
0: Mac, Mac 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 Faith versus uh, having exactly. to sink
1: your teeth into something.
0: Yeah, I, I I think what's interesting also about your your encounter is that it it's quite a risk for God to step in and speak to, to see you in that way because how how are you going to respond? <laughs> You know, there's so many potential ways for you to respond, and, and yet at the same time, the the risk of that, in some senses, invites the risk for you to, to to do precisely what you did there to to disarm, you know, to to let that barrier down. You know, it it it's, a, it's certainly an experience that I, I think I'm going to be reflecting on for for a little while in future. The second one I want to to mention is is, is quite a is quite a complex one because it isn't a singular incident. You know, I was uh <laughs> I was twenty at the point that I realized I was never gonna keep going with this church career thing, right? Not in the traditional form at all. I was never gonna follow this uh, become a youth pastor, you know, become a assistant pastor, become a senior pastor. That was never going to be 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 my route. And so <laughs> Yeah, and, and so there was a real wrestling within myself. Or God, what are you? What are you? What are you calling me to? What what must I be doing? And I, I ended up running this this wonderful project um, for sev- for several years together with other people. And somewhere at the beginning of it, I, I was at that point. You, you know, that point where you're really poor as a young adult, and you really you're making choices between, do you pay rent or do you eat? <laughs> do, do I buy this book or do I eat toast for, 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 for three weeks in a month? You know, that kind of stuff. So I was, I was, I was, at that point and, and I'd gone from living in a flat that I couldn't continue to afford with housemates that, you know, you know, when you're that horrible housemate and your housemates are horrible and you're all just immature and doesn't work out. And then, and then you go living from, from one rented room to another and, and nothing's really working for you. And you're just, you're just struggling enough. So I'm in that context and I'm running this project and I'm, I'm, and the project is successful. And, and in my personal life, in my home life, I'm like, I just don't have anything. It's, nothing's working for me. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm frustrated. And, and I went to God and I was like, God, I, I can't keep working like this. <laughs> I, I need, I need a home. And And I need a home office, and I need to be able to work in a home office, and I need to be able to establish myself somewhat professionally with this work that I'm doing. and And my work then was introducing people to an experience of God and helping them unpack it and stuff was and I was thoroughly enjoying that. and so in in that context, I remember um, one night I had this incredibly vivid dream, and in the dream i I was shown two rooms, and the one room, was dark and had a hole in the ceiling and it was almost like people had just thrown their washing in the room and 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 I I, this voice said to me this could have been your life and then I was taken to another scene it's like the scene shifted in the dream and in the other scene I was I was standing on these wooden floors looking into this mod minimalist kitchen and God going this is the life I've got for you now you know and I remember waking up from the dream being quite quite struck by it. I, it was just incredibly vivid. It, you know, I, I have a rich enough dream life and dreams are just dreams and you're processing your normal shit in life. And then there's these dreams that stand out as going, oh, that was significant. I'm, I'm really wrestling with something. And then there's these dreams where you have the sense that God has spoken to you. Um, and, and for me, that was one of those dreams. And so anyway, I was just like, okay, this is a dream. Like clearly God's got good stuff for me or not, but, but like whatever. Um, and it was a week or two later, I had, um, I had someone contact me and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going up to Joburg to go and meet some people that you know. Um, do you want to drive up with me and go, and go and hang with them? And I was just like, Well, you know, I'm not doing anything at the moment, really. Um, so let me, let me drive up with you. And I, I hopped in the car and we drove up to Joburg. And that night, I ended up lying in a room, in the room from that dream, the first room. And I was lying on the floor on an old dingy mattress, looking up at a, at a ceiling that had fallen into neglect, being bitten by fleas, <laughs> freezing, uh, being emotionally shattered because I didn't want to be in this position at all. Uh, and just wanting to run away and not knowing how to get away. And the following day, um, uh, back then a good friend of mine, uh, Wayne, phoned me and said, how's it going up at Jovig? And I was like, Oh fuck! It's terrible. Like I'm going to get out of here. And so, so he booked me a flight. He he bought me a plane ticket and booked me a flight to fly back down to Cape Town, <laughs> which was mightily generous of him. And that night, uh, he, um, I, I had supper with with him and his wife, <laughs> and they asked me about the experience, and I told them about it. And they said, "Well, let's let's invite God to come and see what God wants to do." I, I felt God draw close to me and I just I, I I broke down emotionally I mean I I didn't just cry I chunked <laughs> you, you, know, you, you know that where you've got to snort the snot chunk it like drips off you it was and in that moment I had this I, I had this deep awareness of God showing me how how I, I was disabled in my relationship with people because I had this tremendous fear that people would see me the way that I saw those people that I went to hang out with. And and that actually the root of the problem was that I saw myself that way and no one else did. And I need to let go of that. And I, I had this, it was a profoundly healing transformative experience, but that wasn't the end of it. It was about a week or so later that um, that friends of mine invited me. This is uh, um, the, the, the Doyle's Matt and Christie. They, they're up in the UK now. They, they basically invited uh, me around for, for supper. <laughs> And they'd, they'd moved, I knew them living in a particular flat, and they'd moved to half a village and they had this, uh, had this house, and uh, they invited me over for supper, and I went over for supper, and as I stepped into the house, I saw the other room from my dream that stepping into their lounge was standing on the floor looking into the bottom in kitchen. And basically over supper, they basically just, uh, they let me know that they were moving. They loved what I was doing and they wanted to offer me the house at a rock bottom rental price <laughs> so that I could have this decent place to live in and, and work from. It was, it, it was profound. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd ever actually shared that with them and if they listen to this, it's, uh, it's again, a thank you for that wonderful period in my life for the next few years. Their their home was like my sanctuary, my refuge, my home office, uh, and practically the first real home I understood myself to have ever had in, in, in my life as well. But, but it was phenomenal in the sense that, that, that I, I would dreamed these two rooms ahead of actually ever seeing them, <laughs> you know, and, and, and of how that was, that was interconnected. It, it, it's not part of a religious context or anything like it. It's just part of life and friendships and relationships, you know, you know, that the, the, the Doyles I'm sure would say they they prayerfully considered and felt like God was prompting them, <laughs> but at the same time, but they hadn't spoken to me. I, I hadn't spoken to them. You know, I, I certainly would never even have considered that an option, you know, um, and, and yet, and, and yet, that experience of God speaking ahead, showing these two rooms and basically going, This is what I've got for you, Tim, step into it, you know, accept it. I'm I'm not gonna let you go there. Here's what I want, here's what I want for you. Don't worry, like you. You're doing some good stuff for me, <laughs> you're working for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of you.
1: Sure, that's profound. And as you said, had you had a very sort of a rich dream life leading up to this, or was it rich following on from this, or was there just continuity? Uh, was it a common experience to experience God?
0: For for me, it's a it's a common experience. So that is just it's one dream among several that I've had, where the dream is about events or people or happenings ahead of what actually happens in life. That it was it was yes another one of those, but this was about this was about me.
1: And was that your first experience of encountering God in a dream, where it was specifically for you?
0: No, it was um I'd actually had several. I've I you know, so that was my early twenties and you know, so that was at least eleven, twelve 12 uh, – over a period of eleven, twelve years in which I'd had several dreams like that.
1: And and all consistently moving in the same direction as in all consistently you were seeing the fruit of those dreams?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. So all they were they were all consistently um Things that actually came to pass in in life, and they they're all similarly connected. That it 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 isn't just an isolated dream. You know, you've got people whose whose dreams and visions move the heavens and the earth, right? <laughs> but but not a twig moves yet, right? <laughs> and they they're seeing all these wonderful things, and they you know. But what about this life kind of thing? So it, so so I I'm I'm always. Quite skeptical of people that have those eerie dreams, as opposed to these that take place in the context and the tapestry of your life and the path of your life, and and are a significant part of you know guiding you and your decisions and your and your choices. And, and in my case, just you know um, practical and emotional recovery in life, you know building a life, building a career, you know it 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 was just deeply. Deeply practical, but yeah, I mean, I've I've had several of those. Some of them have been about other people. There, there's been some interesting stuff, but um, the, the challenge here is to, to talk about my experience rather than things that I could necessarily brag about. You know, in in in, in this situation, you know, I, I I was I was very poor and at the mercy of other people who were just tremendously kind to to give me opportunities in life you know, I mean, up until that point, I'd never flown, <laughs> you know, uh, up until that point, like I would never have thought that I could, I could, I could rent and stay in a house like that, you know, uh, whereas it was, it was through the kindness of others. And yet it was God speaking ahead uh, and, and it was God providing as well. So, so again, again, the, the, the offers, what they did was an echo of what God had already been saying.
1: You know, And, and over the course of the dreams, I'm I'm interested in terms of um, you know I think when we share our own experiences part of the, the the reason for that for me is in providing some sort of handles for others as they start to realize and, and, and interpret their their own experiences while at the same time not wanting to default back into kind of the institutional answers of you know Tim did your dream measure up against a book. And so when you stepped into that house, you know, did God bring to mind a specific scripture that confirmed the the dream, for example? So without defaulting back to there, I'm I'm interested in terms of your familiarity with the experiences. Was there a growing familiarity with them over time in terms of starting to become, I don't want to say comfortable, uh, familiar is probably the better word, that you know this is weighty. This is a mystical experience, connection with God through the dream, or was there, you know, suitable nuance and change throughout them that that you had to continually sort of be moving forward and and learning in terms of the relational engagement with God. You know,
0: in, in retrospect, as I as I think back, I, I had to I had to learn. So, you know, my my earlier experiences was was also. It was requests. It was me talking to God about specific things, and then basically having a dream and going, "Oh well, that was interesting," and then going, "Oh shit, this it's happening," <laughs> you know. Later on, and then basically backtracking and having to make sense of it and go, "Hang on, I uh, I speak to God. God sometimes gives speaks to me in dreams back, and then and then it happens, right?" And and so and so there there's been a there was a there was a shift over a period of time where I didn't I hadn't heard about that kind of stuff right I, I wasn't really saturated you know like a lot of people grow up in church and they grow up going to Sunday school and that I I, I didn't really um, and so so even though I you know within our culture and our context everyone is familiar with the idea of God speaking to people in dreams it's not like that hit home that God would speak to me like that so so so, sort of pray to this aim or for someone that had already appeared to me in in person and basically go i need the following i want the following and then to go i'm being spoken to in a dream you know well i've had a dream it's significant it was so clear Uh, i I feel like it's weighty and then later on to go oh my goodness actually it it was and it it was real And, and to then over time practice that and go if that's one of the ways that god is going to speak to me. I want that. And if God's done that to me once, I want more of that. And if God's done that to me and it was very vague, but but clear enough for me to know what God was hinting at, I want that to become clearer. So, so for me, it was something that I'd actually cultivated in, in my life of going, um, you know, God, you've spoken, you've spoken to other people like that. Speak to me like that. you know, <laughs> um, Yeah. And so, so, I, so I've I'd, I'd built up a, a relationship and, and certainly in the, in that context, um, to have the dream and see that first room you know um even at that point it's not like I was expecting to see the other room you know it, like I, I expected that it was a like like an abstract thing oh okay so you've proved your point on the one there's some amorphous good thing that you want for me and then to walk into it and go oh no you were actually showing me this it, it, it wasn't it it, it, it wasn't It wasn't expected. So there there are times where God speaks like that and it is expected. I know that I'm looking for something in the future. I even had it once where on one of the things that I facilitated, someone came to me and said, I've had this dream. I said, write that down, it's from God. And they did. And I remember when the person that their dream was about walked in, and I looked at them and said, that's the person from your dream, isn't it? They said, yes. How did you know? I'm like, I've seen it. <laughs> you know, so, so there's that, 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 that speaking, the, the mystical visionary dream dreams and visions things, you know, the sleeping visions, waking dreams thing is, uh, is a part of my, my language and a part of my
1: experience. Huh? Yeah. And if, if you were pressed to put language to it, So I I hear you, I I just want to reflect quickly. I think I hear you saying two things. The first is that the growing learning experience is in some ways very much reflective, uh, dream. And I, I also hear you talking about some sort of feeling that accompanies the dream, which I'll come to. But then... Time progresses, you then experience the reality of the dream. You dream about the first room and the second room, you experience the first and then the second room. So in many ways, you have the vantage point of looking back into the dream and going, okay, that was God. Second thing, I also hear you saying though, that even in, not necessarily within the moment of the dream, but upon waking or whatever, there's a sense of a feeling around the actual experience. Am I hearing that as well? Very, very much so. My question would be this then, if you were pushed to put words to that, would you be able to explain that? And how would you describe that weighty feeling? Was that also something that grew over time and you started to become more familiar with, oh yes, that is the feeling of, you know, this is, this is God speaking as opposed to, you know, the, the, the other sort of manifestations of dreams. You're working through your own things, even at a deeply subconscious, unconscious level. Um, how would you describe that feeling then? And was it something that you became more familiar with?
0: Um, I think I think it's one of those things where I don't know if you've ever sat with someone and they they're doing one of those online IQ tests <laughs> and and they wrestling with something that is just so blatantly obvious to you, and then you you struggle with something and you have no idea how they got that so easily. I think I think there's, there's, there's something of that in this where, where there's, there's just a, you know, a component. Um, but I know that that's not really helpful at all. I, I do feel like, like I know what it's like to come home and sit down alone and pour myself a glass of whiskey and sit in front of the fire. And I know what it's like to come home, pour myself a glass of whiskey and sit in Bev's company and for us to to connect and chat. You know, how do I know the difference between them? That there's a felt difference between I'm here alone and the felt difference between I'm conversing with someone. You know, and, and I feel like in some ways that that that's the same for me. There's there's a sense in some dreams that that someone else is actually engaging me in the context of my dream and and it's an interactive process and and when i wake up there's that felt presence of god and the sense of god withdrawing and moving away as well you know um so so that that is something that i feel like i, I have a language for it it's a language that's built up over the years as well you know so, so it started off with a benchmark experience where god drew near to me and it was It was clear that I met with God and then and then in between there were a few dream-like interactions and a few visionary interactions and then there was another clear face-to-face encounter you know and and so so between the intensity of those face-to-face encounters and the subtlety of the dreams there's a there's a there was a working back and a cultivating and a pursuing and then over time just recognizing okay this this is the difference you know, this is the difference between a dream that's just me processing my stuff and a dream where God is speaking to me in my dream.
1: That's great. I, th- I think part of the reason I ask that is because in, in some ways, um, moving into this territory, uh, talking about the mystical experiences is is somewhat uncharted waters for so many people. And I think it's why it's so easy for us to remain. If I could quickly visit the theoretical. <laughs> um, It's why it's so easy for us to remain reliant on what we would call more concrete evidence in the written scriptural tradition and then the practiced tradition of the church, i.e. what we mean by that is somebody else telling you, okay, well, this is what God sounds like or looks like, etc. Whereas one does almost have to cultivate that, that language with which to interpret and explain and understand for oneself. You know, that language of this is what it feels like to be with that person. Um, and I find connection with others. Sometimes you go, yes, no, I feel similar to that. And, and sometimes it's quite can be quite different. Um, and, and it's helpful for me to then explore that because it moves away from needing the certainty of it's has been down as a this or a that and can only be a this or a that.
0: I, I think I think there's there's often a safety in the institution that takes in the sense that it, it I, I'm not at risk i'm I'm not at risk of having to trust that this is God speaking, and I must make a decision based on it or or i'm 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 not vulnerable in the sense of God getting into my heart and dealing with some very deep things that I feel about myself that's not safe it's easy for me to affirm oh I'm loved by God or I'm the apple of the eye or <laughs> you know that kind of stuff I mean which which I mean any anyone can say but it's sec- second hand I'm reading uh, in that case I'm quoting someone who says that and it came out of this same deep felt experience that I'm having and so I feel like my my relationship with 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 the text like the Bible has changed in the sense that it's a, it's a model for me of experiences that I can have or, or a model for me of a relationship that I can have but I can't claim ownership of those texts as though that is true for me unless I experience it and you know what I want to experience it I'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> I, I don't want to be left out of a of a relationship that can go really deep and intimate and I I want it and so for me I feel like this this pursuit of things like dreams and face-to-face interactions is the pursuit of 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 someone who loves me that I love that I that I that I dysfunctionally cannot relate to very well (laughs) but it's it's a journey of trust it's a journey where I'm moving from distrust to trust it's a journey where I'm moving from I cannot be close to anyone to I'm risking being close to you
1: no, I like that language of risk, and you said it earlier, and risk on both sides, which is part of relationship, um, as much as we would like to think there's certainty.
0: Well, this brings us to the to the end of part one. This is a, a natural point in the conversation that Steve and I were having just to break the episode and to split it into two parts so that it doesn't end up being ludicrously long for a, for a podcast. Uh, just be sure to like this, uh, this episode if you, if you enjoyed it and to subscribe to the podcast to pick up the, the, the conversation as it continues.